podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone. I'm here with recently crowned U.S. Women's Champion Sabina Foischer. Sabina, congratulations and thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, thank you very much, Ben. It's I'm very happy um, to be here with you. So you're having uh, quite a year, Sabina, both up and down. Can you uh, relive for the audience what what's what you've experienced the past uh, few months in this young year? Sure. So uh, it's been a um, tough year because uh, you know at the beginning of the year um, I I have heard that. My mom's health was not uh, very good, so um, um, by the time I went back to Romania, she was not in a very stable uh, stage, and uh, we lost her on 21st of uh, January, so um, it has been a very tough uh, period for me because she has been a generation, both, you know, as a a person, of course, as a mother, you're always looking up to... um, um, to your mother, <laughs> but um, as as a chess player as well, she ha- she has given me a lot of uh, um, strength uh, in general. You know, being a very positive person, and so having lost her, uh, not being able to to talk to her um, was very tough for me. So um, I really wanted to to try to stay strong and you know uh, work as much as I I can so that I can somehow keep her memory alive um but um you know it's been it's been a difficult time so you know being able to win the u.s women's championship was definitely a dream that both of us uh have had um i don't know if we ever thought it would be possible because you know sometimes i wasn't training much enough but you know um it's it's really you know it's makes me happy that i was able to do this this year so and first of all, I'm I'm really sorry for your loss. I, I can't imagine what it, what the last few months have been like for you and your family. Thank you. So, um, and for listeners who don't know, I suspect most will. But your mother is uh, international master Christina Foischer. She won the Romanian national women's championship many times. Uh, great player, and uh, I know that the obituaries that I read uh, after her passing were basically. Um, uniformly touching so it must have been just an, an a very difficult period for you so i'm glad that yes it was indeed and and she she has won uh many romanian uh, national championships so aside from being an international master she was a women's grandmaster and top player in the country for probably the past 30 years she has always been you know one of the top players of the country and one of the uh, lead members of the Romanian um, Olympic team. She has played 14 Olympiads. And, uh, yeah, you know, she was also great as a person because, okay, you can be a great chess player, but I think people will also remind you um, by your care. And, um, she, you know, it, it's make, made me feel good to, to see a lot of people really uh, loved her and... Um, were were as shocked by her death 
steps as we were, you know, um, the fact that they were uh, kind enough to share their stories that they had with my mom, with, with my family, you know, that, that meant a lot to us because it, you know, it gave us good memories. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and 49 is so young. I don't know. Yes. It's, it's up to you how much you want to talk about it. I know you've been living this every day uh, all year, but do you, would you want to talk a little bit about what she was like as a mother since we all can review her chess games and see that she was an sure. amazingly accomplished player? Yes, she was. Uh, she was a very kind person um, and um, very motivating. And um, she kind of shared this with with us, with my sister and myself. I have a younger sister um, who's um, a women's international master. She's not playing chess as much anymore. She's focusing on her um, research in biology and genetics. But uh, you know, my my mom has. Um, has shared, you know, a, a lot of love and uh, and affection, and she has taught us a lot, and and always um, wanted us to aim high. She said that even if you if you don't get as high as you aim, you will eventually, you know, get much higher than um, if you would just aim, you know, somewhere really low, because you would have always um, a goal ahead of yourself and. That's something that you know I always keep with me because um, it's. I think it's a good uh, it's a good motto to have in life. So um, yeah, <laughs> these okay. are some things. I yeah. Okay. Of course, there would be if I would uh, you know enumerate all of them. Probably this this interview <laughs> would right. would take a really long time. So and yeah. Um, okay, and your mother. So you grew up in Romania. Your mother, I'm sure, is basically a, a chess legend there. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the chess culture in Romania? Um, sure. So, well, we had some very strong chess players um, um, along the years. Um, Gheorghiu, Florin Gheorghiu, uh, the grandmaster, uh, he's currently, I think, still residing in Switzerland, but he was the one who has played against uh, Bobby Fischer, and uh, he has uh, drawn um, some games. So, I mean, that's, that's I think, um, something really, um, uh, really amazing for a, for, for a country to have that kind of background history. So, um, and we also had some very strong female chess player, um, Elisabetta Polichroniade, you might have heard uh, of her. She also recently passed away. Um, and I don't know, like, we had it in the history, and we also have been, uh, um, you know, being part of the Soviet bloc, I think, has helped uh, kind of develop the um, chess culture some, somewhat. Uh, we had access to a lot of Russian magazines. I know when my parents were, were younger, they had access to a lot of Russian magazines, and uh, they would study them. And um, I think that's how it kind of got brought into 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 the culture mostly because uh, after the second world war we were part of the soviet bloc although our language romanian language is a latin language right <laughs> but uh, but we were we were under them we kept our language but uh, you know we we got some of the cultural uh, uh, traditions let's say that and uh, just got brought into uh, into our culture and uh, yeah 
And basically myself, I learned from, from my parents who uh, were both very strong chess players. We already mentioned my mom, but my father is also an international master and he won the Romanian championship in uh, 1982 long time ago but at that time it was it was a really strong uh, it was a really strong field so um we were all always very proud uh, about that and uh, he has dedicated his life to basically coach us and and try to always find the best material that would fit and things like that so that's how it okay. it was brought into the family i guess okay. and uh were your parents uh chess professionals uh, yes, they were. They both had finished uh, university. Uh, my father was an engineer, and my mom finished the University of Mathematics. But uh, they they never. Well, my father did uh, have a job for a short period of time. But um, once he met my mom and they had me, you know, they focused on chess solely. So teaching and playing and yeah, coaching. Yeah. Okay, and were there uh, was chess besides the strong players like your whole family and the other people you've yeah. mentioned? Was there a strong interest in chess throughout Romania, um, or were you mostly traveling to play? Uh, you mean us as a family? As you were growing up. Um, well, yes, yeah, chess is pretty developed in Romania. They have uh, started in recent years also to introduce it in schools. The, we have a lot of very strong chess players. Uh, and a lot of grandmasters, so um, there there were some interests there too. But I think throughout the years we haven't really um, received as much uh, help from the Romanian Chess Federation. So we um, we mostly focused on, on on playing abroad. We would play the national championships and for the team when when it was possible, but um, not so many tournaments in Romania. I think. Um, we were we were appreciated more uh, abroad for some reason. Okay, and uh, you, like many of our guests, um, were a person, a strong chess player, born outside of the United States. But you were able to come here for what I presume was a chess scholarship, since you went to UMBC. Correct. Uh, okay, and uh, part of a storied program there. Um, who did you uh, get to study with while at UMBC? Uh, well, I got, um, yes, in 2008, I was accepted at UMBC, which was pretty awesome. My parents were not so happy about it huh, because my chess, my chess career basically um, stagnated a lot. And actually, it, it went down. My rating went down over 100 rating points. And um, chess-wise, it wasn't so great. But I thought it was really important to have an education as well. And so... Um, I, I focused mostly on um, on school. I was able for some time to balance both, but I focused mostly on school. Um, we did have a coach uh, at UMBC, Grandmaster Sam Palatnik, but we didn't really have that many trainings with him. Um, I think um, each uh, each of the players um, kind of worked on their own, and and I tried to to find coaches uh, outside, like that I would hire myself and. Right and 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 worked with work with uh, more than uh, than at UMBC. Unfortunately, I would have hoped things would be different, uh, but uh, there wasn't unfortunately as much um, focus on chess as I would have hoped. And I think it made some sense for for the way things uh, things were going in the administration. 
that we wouldn't have that much uh, coaching, but uh, okay. I, I, you know, I don't want to, to address that too much, I think. Uh, right. Yeah, mostly I, I focused on my own when I was there. And I okay. hired a coach, yeah. That's um, that's funny that you mentioned your parents were disappointed you went to UMBC. I thought you were going to say because it was so far away, but it was because you wanted to. <laughs> well, oh, no, no. Yeah, it was because it was far away and not because UMBC. Obviously, it is a very good university. I'm sorry if I... No, but yeah, also you made it sound like they wanted you to really pursue chess even uh, more... Uh, even um, with more dedication than you were by going to university? is the- Yes, and the reason is that in 2007, I, um, I had qualified. So in the European Women's Chess Championship is one of the strongest events uh, of the year. I mean, if you look at how many, I mean, because a lot of Russian chess players are participating, a lot of grandmasters from really all Europe. And we know that Europe has probably the most... Uh, grandmasters uh everywhere so and and so um i had finished uh, i shared fifth place in european women's chess championship and that was a really great result which also helped me qualify for the world champ- chess championship and um it, it's if you look at the standings every single year you'll realize it's really hard to to make that that happen um my mom has made it many times but you know as, as a young chess player you know i i didn't have many as probably as many ambitions um and i was still uh trying to finish up my high school so uh it was uh, it was not an easy field let's just put it that way and i had a bad start and i made it and so that was really a great year for me and so I also gained a lot of rating. Um, I got close to 2,400. I had two IM norms. I was really, like, we call it on the wave. In Romania, we have this expression. I'm not sure if it's used in English as well. But I was really, like, um, going forward. And um, so once you are, you see that you're um, improving a lot after a stagnation period, you... If you really want more from yourself, you should really dedicate time to study and and uh, move forward. And I think they were right for for a chess career. That was the moment to focus on chess and not uh, go study. Uh, I could have taken a year off to see how it would go, but I haven't done so. I just suddenly, you know, told them I got a scholarship at UMBC. I'm going to take it and. Uh, focus somewhere else and that was the disappointed that they you know a little disappointed of course they're very proud that you know i finished cum laude so it's you know it's a great it's 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 something great you know to to do it in a in a country that you're not so familiar with the language with at that point at least i wasn't (laughs) i'm still learning uh but um yeah so that that was their their disappointment that i had worked so hard to get where I was at that point, and then I just let it go, and uh, things uh, things simply changed because my focus was not solely chess anymore. There were other things which were more important. So um, yeah, and I hope you, now it makes more sense. <laughs> sure. And do you do you have any regrets? Um, probably not. Probably not. I mean, of course. Um, there are some things that maybe you want to change in your life, but I think 
considering that uh, they have brought me where I am today, I think, um, you know, I'm happy with, with my choices because every choice, even good or bad, um, it leads to something. And even if at that moment it might not, you might not realize what it leads to, eventually you will. And I think it's always for the best. So, you know, every experience, uh, even bad, is, is helpful for the future. That's yeah. how I like to think about it. I, I feel the same way. Uh, certainly, I uh, have some things I might change. But on the other hand, if you're happy with where you are, uh, just um, be, be grateful for that. Yeah. Um, so what did you study at UMBC? Uh, I studied, um, it was a really long name for my major. It was called Modern Language and Linguistics. And I concentrated on French um, culture. And uh, I also minored in Russian language and in psychology. Um, yeah. And then I went on to pursue my master's there as well in intercultural communication. And I focused on, um, on training um so yeah that's funny i think you're we've uh, this is about the 21st or so episode of this podcast and we've had the you're the fifth guest who studied russian as a foreign language so including myself so <laughs> just goes to show you the power of chess because i don't think that that would be the case in like a sample of 21 people off the street you, you would not find so many uh people studying russian well, there, there was for multiple reasons. I, I was actually at that point uh, dating a Russian guy. So my, my idea was, um, you know, to, to I, th I think it's important when you, you are with somebody to try to sh show them that you care about them, to, to show them that you care about their culture too. And in my view, understanding a culture, you can only do it by learning the language. So... Um, and, you know, at that point, I thought, okay, and but, you know, I was probably studying it for half a year, and that relationship didn't quite work. But I told myself, I started this, I'm not going to let it go. So now I'm going to do it for myself and, you know, be able to later, um, maybe, um, I don't know, speak with someone or at least understand what if someone is talking uh, about me and it's not so nice so right. I would know those things so I went on myself to to learn the language um, and um, yeah I don't regret it I mean I I'm still shy to speak it because language, uh, Russian is such a difficult language and um, they, they have so many endings that you have to change as you're putting the words in a sentence and so I um uh, I, tr I try not to speak it because I'm afraid yeah. <laughs> I make too many mistakes, but I do understand. So I, I could, you know, understand what, what you're saying and then answer you in English that that would work. Yeah, I'm, so, um, I'm but, sort of the same yeah. way in terms of uh, being a little gun shy and speaking it, especially because like you, I studied it in college and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a bit older than you. So I can, you know, the, the, the phrases you would find in a phrase book, I can mostly remember. But in terms mm -hmm. of like generating complete thoughts, I would they would probably be pretty ugly if, if uh, I tried. I'm, I'm sure people would understand you, but probably, yeah. you know, it might take a little bit of time. I mean, I, I have that feeling. So yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm happy to have it uh, under my belt, but, um, you know, it, uh, yeah. And and your, your uh, fiancé is um Iranian, Iranian chess player. Yes, yes. Um, so have you taken up Persian? Yes, I started. I started learning, um, but it's a, it's a way <laughs> harder language than Russian was. And the reason is 
you know, f the reason Russian was easier for me was that in the Romanian language, we have some Slavic influence, not very much, but it's one of the, I think it's one of the hardest Latin languages um, and because it has the Slavic influence and you don't know sometimes what what to do, how to bring the Latin. Um, and so uh, in Persian, the Persian is a language that is not similar to any of the other languages that I can speak. And um, the grammar is also very different. And the writing is from right to left, right? So, oh, wow. So, so you have to learn all, all of those things. And I got mad at some point because um, there was they have the sound and, and letter that to me sounds exactly the same and it's the same. And I was asking my, my fiancé, you know, how am I going to learn all these things? I mean, it's it's the same. He's like, well, you have to memorize the word. I'm like, but you have so many words. How am I going to do it? Right. So I'm struggling with it, but um, but uh, it's it's going. I'm hoping, you know, in some years I, sh I should be able to speak at least uh, – uh, have some simple conversations for now it's just words and yeah i, I better you than me is all i can say <laughs> it sounds, <laughs> sounds hard um, yeah so what other languages do you speak uh, i can speak french um and, and spanish and in english and romanian of course <laughs> oh. um yeah italian i understand a lot um but uh, i haven't practiced it in a really long time so you know I like to say, uh, to, to only mention the languages that I know that I could speak fluently and I could have a good conversation with someone. Uh, the other ones, I, I typically just, uh, you know, I keep them under my belt until I will have the chance to um, improve them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's, uh, let's pivot over to chess. Um, sure. So after... You know, after college, you've you've made your way to Texas, and I know um, on your website it says you've been basically just teaching and playing chess the past few years. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what's a day like for you? How what's what do you do in a typical day? Uh, setting aside the the family issues you've had, if if you just had a day with a clear mind where you were going to work on chess and and teach chess, what would you do? I think it depends on the day and it has really um over the years it has it, it was different for me because um uh first I didn't have a job um and uh, I tried to you know um get some students and teach and then I uh I had a job and I didn't focus so much on chess um right now I d I don't have one uh, aside from chess so I try to uh to teach a couple of hours a day, you know, up to four or five. Um, and then I try to work on my own chess um, four or five hours as well. I think it really depends on the day. Uh, I've, uh, since the U.S. championships and things have, you know, uh, calmed down a little bit for, for me. So I'm trying to um, exercise as well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it really depends on the day. I don't have a day that's the same, but I try to add these things, exercise, um, um, working on my own chess, and then working on, um, I mean, teaching. And then once I have the, the time, actually, I've uh, I've started updating my website a little bit because, uh, um, you know, considering some health issues, I haven't posted so much, and I thought that's, uh, I should make some changes, so I'm in process of 
changing the website when I have the chance I do that. But of course, uh, in the most part, I like to also spend it with my uh, my fiance. We try to um, to work together on things and um, spend time together in general. Okay, and uh, how how'd you guys end up in Texas? Well, he was here. Um, in he came to study uh, at Texas Tech, um, and um, he and I started talking um, in in 2014. And um, I was not grad; I hadn't graduated uh, UMBC yet. And uh, well, we we thought. You know, we we understood each other really well online, but if we wanted to have a relationship, we we thought that you know it, it made sense to to kind of move in the same in the same city. And as I was graduating and he was pursuing his PhD, um, I I thought I would make that that move, and that's how I you know I moved uh, here in Lubbock, um, you know, in in September of 2014 and then i've been here since Uh, how do you like it down there um well we're actually thinking to move away from here um it's um it's been um kind of a um different experience than i had in in maryland i felt that in maryland people were more open to other cultures and um like really excited to meet you and and um, they would treat you as as an equal, but um, I, I haven't really had the same feeling here in Texas. Obviously, um, I, we've met some really nice people uh, with whom we hope to to keep friendships, but um, some of the other people have treated us um, from up down in a way. Um, maybe mostly Elshan because he's from Iran and you know there there have been a lot of stereotypes uh, going on but um, yeah you you feel if you're not really welcome in a place I think and um, um, it's been it's been tough for for some time for us uh, yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry to hear that it always makes me a little sad when uh, the you know uh, a country that was founded on tolerance has not been as tolerant recently so um yeah, that's it's, uh, true. Yeah. So disappointing, but you're you know you're not uh Texas does have that reputation. So I hope that you don't judge our whole country based on, on no, that no, no. I I not at all. I I really don't like to uh, to stereotype. Um, yeah, and, me either. Uh, for like the record, I apologize to any tolerant te- <laughs> any tolerant Texans who are listening. I, I'm not talking <laughs> not talking about you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. No, um, but um, I like I said, some of the people that we met. So not not everyone, and you know, I try to reiterate that um, some of the people that. Uh, treated us not not so nicely um and um okay maybe i expected too much because of maryland (laughs) i don't know but uh like i said um some of the people uh, weren't so nice and it was a tough time but um you know we we met some really great people we made some nice friendships and um yeah and yeah we're we're looking to um to relocate now um um, that um, Elshan is is not really uh, uh, at Texas Tech anymore, so he's uh, we're we're both uh, you know looking for for places that we would enjoy being in, and you know where where we also know somebody who's who's going to uh, to be um, kind enough to give us a 
um, a hand at the beginning of, of our careers in whatever is going to be. So we, we want to make sure that we have that in the next place. That's uh, where we will go because here it's, it wasn't quite that way. Uh, any ideas where you might go? Um, we're looking uh, at the East Coast. Uh, I would really like to be in, in a place closer to a bigger city where, um, from where I could travel back home um, easier, if necessary, back home to Romania. I have multiple homes, so I will. you will right. hear me saying home a lot. Uh, but I, 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 th- I think that every pla- in every place where you have somebody dear, you know, you can consider home. And so um, East Coast, uh, I don't know, maybe North Carolina, South Carolina, um, and even back to Maryland or Virg- Virginia, you know, we'll see. Still, okay. we're still in the process of, of figuring out. And you guys, are you both looking for jobs or what? what's your your career status and your husband Elshan's career status? Um, we are looking for opportunities, uh, not specifically jobs. I think um, if we find something that we will both like, uh, we would both, you know, uh, uh, try to find a job outside of chess. I think at this point... Um, this U.S. Um, being the U.S. champion has given me uh, has opened some horizons for me, so I can try to see if I can uh, focus a little bit on chess and see how that goes. Um, he mostly, I think, uh, might be looking for um, for a potential job, but he's always up to uh, to a coaching position as well and um, um, staying in the in the chess business. So. Um, he has done some really awesome um, reports lately. Um, yeah, he, he has. Collaborated, he collaborated with a lot of uh, famous, um, you know, uh, uh, websites. Yes. I don't know. Should I say the name or yeah, not? Yeah, of course. Yeah, go right <laughs> so ahead. So Chessbase, uh, Chessbase and Chess.com. Um, and um, I, I think he's doing a great job uh, writing. So I'm... I'm supporting him, whatever he, he wishes to do uh, in the future. Um, of course, I wouldn't really want him to completely get out of the chess scene, but, uh, you know, I'm, I want to be supportive. He has been a great support to me in the past, uh, um, well, this year, but throughout the time that we're together. And so, you know, I want to uh, reciprocate, of course, and um, whatever he chooses to do, I'll be I'll be very happy to support him. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> we you, take the decisions together. <laughs> yeah, your uh, your husband wrote a, a really nice tribute to your mother. Um, yes. So I guess he got to know her a little bit as well. Yeah, we we got to uh, I, I got to introduce him to my um, to my parents at uh, one tournament, and then uh, he has seen my mom at at Olympi- at the Olympiad as well, and so. Um, they also uh, unfortunately had to play together, which that was not. Uh, oh, funny. Uh, <laughs> a very <laughs> funny story, but uh, well, it? yeah, Alshon ended up winning, um, and um, you know, as as chess players, we're all um, you know, we are serious competitors, and, and uh, the moments when when you lose are not very fun, I think, uh, and uh, it was a, a little bit tough uh, f- for some time, but you know, the, my parents really loved him, my mom also and um yeah I'm, I'm very happy they both got to meet him and yeah okay so uh in terms of your teaching do you do most of your lessons are are they online or in person or both 
Uh, for the moment, I'm only doing online lessons. Um, yeah, only okay. online for now. And do you enjoy teaching chess? Yes, I really enjoy teaching chess and sometimes uh, more than uh, training <laughs> myself <laughs> to improve. Um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's great to to have been given the opportunity, you know, of, uh, of learning to play chess and then getting so high. And, um, you know, it's, it's really important to share, uh, your knowledge with, with others. And, you know, that makes me happy when, when I teach. So, uh, I hope I'm doing a good job. Um, yeah. So Sabina, if a, if a 1700 chess player reaches out to you, say it's like, a 13-year-old, 1,700, who's uh, thinking about hiring you as a coach and looking to improve, what what course do you set out for them? Well, I start by uh, um, looking at their most recent games and, you know, I, I ask them about their previous chess work, with whom they worked, you know. I, I think it's important to know the person and know their background in chess first and then uh, looking at their recent games, try to analyze and find their weaknesses, their strength, and then develop the material based on that uh, because everybody is different and uh, we, you cannot just have the same thing for, for everyone. Maybe some exercises you can use the same ones because those specific people need uh, that kind of theme to be, to be addressed. But uh, in general, you know, I like to, to look at their weaknesses and strength and, um, uh, we go from I go from there, and I want to make. I also make sure that they have a goal, um, some goal like easier goal that they can um, hopefully reach pretty soon, and then one um, you know the ultimate goal. What you know in chess, like I was telling you at the beginning of the interview, um, my mom was really emphasizing on the importance of having a really high goal, even if you. Th- you think you might not be able to reach it. It's it's better to have it than than not to. So um, that drives that that starts the drive in a person to to work for that for that goal. So uh, nice. yeah, that's. I hope I <laughs> I answered your question. Entirely. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I, I cannot be more specific since you know I I ha- I would have to to go through those steps first. Yeah, I mean I'm always. I think a lot of listeners are looking for for help with their chess and mm-hmm. you know we've had a few guests and I've seen a few interviews elsewhere where it's it's just so hard to give like uh general like advice I think it's it's surprisingly so because each person has different strengths and weaknesses uh and um you know for each rating there might be different things you should work on but do do you have any any books or resources that you find yourself recommending over and over again to students um, tactical one. I really enjoy the uh, Invisible Chess Moves by a friend of ours, uh, Johanna Nafek. That's you know one of my favorite uh, tactical books. And right. then uh, um, he, yeah, it's 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 a great you know tactical book. But of course, there are John Nunn's, uh books as well are 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 very good um, and. Um, I like uh, the style of writing of Grandmaster Jacob Agard. He has uh, a lot of great chess books. Um, He's going to have one coming up very soon, a new one also. And as an endgame, I like the uh, endgame book. I like the endgame manual by um, 
Mark Dvoretsky. That was, uh, you know, a book that I, I keep uh, dear to my heart. I also received it from, from a very nice um, um, friend of ours um, that um, has actually taught me how to swim. It's, it's oh, a funny really? story. When I was a kid, yeah, we used to play for, for their team in, in France, in Grenoble. And uh, he was the president at that point and a very nice, uh, a very nice man. And I was always his, uh, his favorite, I think, when, when we would go with my parents, we would, we would hang out. And, and when the book appeared, I, I had told him that I really loved that. You know, I thought it, it looked great. So he gave me a copy and I have it in French, actually. Oh, funny. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes when I teach my students, if I... If I refer to the to to some of the the notes, I um, I, um, I probably translated from French, and it is not the exact uh, word that should be used in in um, in uh, in English. Like for example, I I use the um, the moving square um, in in King Pawn End Games, and it actually should say the box or, or like. I say the square, but you should say the box. You know, when the king enters and ca- traps a passed pawn, you say that the king is in the box. Right. Uh, in English, but in Romanian and in other languages, you say that the square. So sometimes I, you know, I, when I first started teaching, I would <laughs> I would use that. Now uh, I also recommend uh, as an endgame book, um, Silman's um, yeah. endgame. Uh, endgame that, I'm not sure the exact name. But, yeah, uh, I know which one you mean. It's great for teaching too. Yes, yeah. Um, I just, um, anyways, there are a lot of great books out there. I think um, you know it's, it's important to to study all all parts of the game. You know, not just focus on openings. Recently, because chess has been, uh, well, the computers became a great and super important part of chess. Um, people are focusing a lot on openings and while i totally agree that you know sometimes you can um win brilliant games um uh, from analysis that you have made at home you have to to really learn to play uh technical chess as well and learn um uh, the different motifs that exist out there and and i think somebody um at some point has done a research on chess players and what differentiates you know, top-level chess players like somebody like um, Magnus Carlsen from you know somebody who's 2,500. What would be the big difference? And I think it's really they have a much better you know pattern recognition. Um, obviously, Magnus Carlsen is is uh, is uh, the greatest. Uh, um, but let's just say somebody from the top top ten in the world compared to somebody who's 25, 2,600. What differentiates them? I think is that. Um, those top players have a much better pattern recognition. They have seen much more, and they keep seeing more and more uh, positions. And um, I think that's that's a really big uh, big difference compared to the rest of of the chess players. I might be wrong. Yeah, um, well, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but recently on Chess Twenty Four, they picked up an interview with uh, Alexander Morozevich, and he was talking about Carlson, and that was basically exactly what he said. Said. Uh, he's, oh, okay. It's not that. I mean, obviously, he's great at calculating, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not that. That's not what separates him. And Yoon uh, Ludwig Hammer uh, was a guest on this podcast, and you know, obviously, has gotten to know Magnus some and trained mm-hmm. trained with him as a kid, and suggested the same thing. Um, okay. 
So I, I haven't. I've seen the Morozovich interview. It's it's on my list to read, but I haven't gotten the chance to to read it fully. So it's really uh, thank interesting. Thank you for I, <laughs> sharing that. I'd, I'd never, you know, his games are kind of legendary because he's such an original thinker. But yes. I'd, I'd never seen one like him utter a word in an interview. And he's a pretty introspective guy. I definitely recommend it to to mm-hmm. anyone of listening. Of course, yeah. Um, so. In terms of, I saw your interview going into the last round of the tournament with uh, mm-hmm. with Maurice Ashley, and you mentioned in that that um, that you hadn't done hadn't had a chance to do much preparation for the tournament. Uh, obviously, in in light of your mother's passing, that's understandable. But being that we were we were talking about openings, I was I was curious how much prep you did do for each opponent, and how and if it worked out or not. Like if if the prep that you did is what ended up happening or not in your games. Um, mostly it hasn't, mostly it hasn't. And I haven't, uh, I haven't done any opening prep until the tournament actually, because really there was, there was no time. And I decided that it was most important for me to, uh, to get in shape, uh, and to work on my middle game. And that's what, um, my coach has, has suggested actually, uh, uh, before, before my mom's passing, we, we weren't sure of her situation, whether uh, she was in coma um, for some time, um, less than a week. And um, we were hoping that she would she would wake up from the coma. And uh, I talked to Elshan and, and asked him, you know, is there anybody I could work with that could help me get in shape so that, um, you know, I could participate? Because I also participated in the, in the women's world chess championship in Iran and um, I wanted to do that for my mom she was very excited that I would go as well because it has never happened and a mother and a daughter had played in the world uh, chess championship and so um, I asked Elshan what he's what does he think and he has talked to actually uh, somebody I mentioned earlier in the interview Grandmaster Jacob Agard and he he was kind enough to to work with me um, a little bit on on my middle games, and that has helped me a lot. Uh, you know, having uh, these uh, uh, these positions to solve every single day kind of made me not think about about um, after my mom's passing because I couldn't do anything as as she was in coma. But after my mom's passing. Um, he was, he, he has, um, helped me, you know, enter in shape and work on those positions. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just, um, that, that was my, 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 uh, preparation before the tournament and during it, yeah, I, I prepared some openings, you know, but, um, most of them like really didn't didn't happen. So, well, well, I, that's yeah. inspiring in a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, openings are sort of a necessary evil, but um, I don't think that the the effect of computers on openings, I don't think overall is that great for chess as a spectator sport. So, uh, I mean, it's the prepared wins can be interesting, but uh, I'd rather just see people duke it out <laughs> personally. Right. Also, you have to memorize a lot. Like, you, you know, you have to, to put your mind to memorize everything that you're analyzing because obviously a computer is going to tell you how it's winning. But you have to understand why it's winning and how to make changes in case your opponent doesn't really make that specific move that you have analyzed at some point. So uh, it's really a lot of work, and and I think um, 
given that I really did not do any opening preparation before the tournament. I, um, um, I, I wouldn't have had, you know, even time to, to complete everything till the end. So it's good that I didn't do it because, <laughs> but I, I did have some, some preparations that were, uh, um, and I hope maybe they will be useful in the future. Good. So Great Master Agard's name has come up a lot recently on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so what sort of work on middle games does he do with you? Does he send you positions or look at uh, show games to you? Or what's uh, what's his approach in, in your lessons with him? Well, I, I, I don't know if I should reveal all that. I think people should should try. I, it's very similar to how he's teaching the book, uh, how he's he's written his books. Uh, that's what I, I can say. I mean... Uh, uh, there are various positions that that you have to try. You have to, you know, um, look at and and try to understand uh, what is going on and how you would uh, how you would approach the position. And then we would work on them together. After I will have written the solution, it's it's kind of like that. So mostly the work, you know, I do it on my. I have the um, the positions. I work on my own, and then we would go over them uh, in class. Um, so it's like a yeah. take take so, home test, basically. Um. Yeah, we we don't really call it test. Uh, I think um, you're putting a lot of pressure if you call it test. That's what uh, he told me. Uh-huh. So we are not calling them tests. It's just uh, you know the training and and you work you work on them. I and, mean that's yeah. nice of him to say, but the, there's no escaping pressure in chess. I mean, you, you that's you, true. You played for the the national U.S. championship and twenty five thousand dollars. So <laughs> it's, yeah. I think uh, a test pales in comparison. But I think you know, for me, there's really no pressure because I, I had lost already the most important person in my life. There's nothing that I had to lose anymore, and so for me, there's no pressure. You know, it's, after all, it's just money, and you know, it's not going to bring back my mom. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, there was no pressure money-wise for me, really, at all. And also, I think there's no pressure because nobody ever thought that I would win. I was not one of the the to- the players that they would discuss had the chance to win the tournament. So, I'm this 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 worked in my favor, I think. And you mentioned the importance of goals, and that's something that your mom taught you. Did you enter the tournament with an explicit goal of winning the tournament, or did you have a different no. goal? <laughs> no, I just I just wanted to play good chess and play good games and and try to you know not be afraid that that I might lose or something. I I, I was hoping maybe third uh, if I could do it, and you know, but I didn't know what my stage was, my state state of mind. Because um, I just, um, I, I was just, uh, I'm still under shock even now. Yeah. So, And as the uh, tournament unfolded and you started to uh, ascend the leaderboard, did, did your goals change or did you just try to focus on the next game? Still just on the next game, yeah. Uh, I didn't look at the, maybe, maybe uh, after I won the game, Actually, after I, I drew Nazi uh, in round um, nine, I thought, wow, okay, I have a chance to, f- to finish in top three. Close to my goal, I should not, you know, I should not uh, let this go away. I should focus to, to try to play my best. Um, where where were you in the standings at that point? Uh, I was sharing, um, so uh, right before the round, I... I um, 
Nazi and I were shared first, and then we played together, round nine. So after round eight, I think uh, that's the point that I caught caught up with her. Okay. And um, round nine, we played against each other, and okay, we were we were equal. So that was the point that uh, I thought, okay, now I am close to third place. I should really try my best to you know to to make this happen and um it was only you know when after i won the game that i thought uh, my last round <laughs> after i won my last round that i thought wow okay i i really have a, a chance to win this i mean i i was hoping to play a match Nazi, if she had won her last round um i was getting ready for that right. but okay then then it it didn't yeah um and it was an amazing last round game, just an uh, incredible tactical combination at the end. Uh, were you, I, I, we had Nazi on the guest, uh, as a guest on the podcast previously, so I'm hoping to make it a tradition to have the U.S. women's champion. But Nazi, <laughs> Nazi did an amazing job taking us through sort of the emotions of the tournament. I think that mm-hmm. being, you might be a little emotionally spent giving, uh, given um, the events in your life in the past year or so. How, uh, were you able to focus on the chess during your games, especially in the last rounds, or did you find yourself thinking about the stage and the, the you know, the prizes and stuff like that uh, while playing? So, uh, well, do you want me to start from the beginning, from round one, or just look at the towards uh, the end? How, I, I how think you, towards the end. Um, towards the end. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was, like I said earlier, I was not thinking about the prize money at all. Um, uh, and I tried during the games as much as possible not to think uh, about my mom. I, I, it happened to me a couple of times. The thought would, I mean, it happen, happened a lot of times. But um, you know, I would think about the specific thing that we would we would do together, and now I, I would almost start crying. And you know, I told myself no, and I would get back to calculating some variation on the board in order not to wow. not to let those emotions. Um, come back to me um but at least not during the game because outside of the game okay it was different but during the game i tried just to focus on it and uh i i think i I was the most nervous probably the last round um when i played against anna in in round 10 anna zatonski i um she has she has won a lot of games against me. I, I was never able to, to win against her. And um, I thought I had a good position. And then suddenly I realized that I messed it up. And I thought I need to try to come up with some kind of combination in order to be able to uh, utilize the fact that she was in time trouble. I think she had about two minutes for, I don't know, 15 moves or something. Um, so at that moment, uh, that was the first time that I started really, you know, being a little bit nervous when, when I knew that I messed up and I wouldn't be there on the, I wouldn't have that chance to be third (laughs) anymore, as I was mentioning to you earlier. And, um, I came up with this, this, this night idea and under time pressure, she was unable to find a, um, you know, a winning move, Rook F8 at some point and she would trap my knight. And uh, after I won that game, I just I felt a little bit relieved because I would be third for sure. Um, I actually I called my sister after the round and uh, she told me, "Congrats, you know you're in top three. Mom would have been proud of you." Aww. In Romania, by the way, being in top three is a really big deal. 
Uh, and so I told her, thank you so much. But, you know, in the U.S., the b- a big deal is only if you become a champion. Right. And, and she said, well, be careful what you wish for, because, you know, if you're not happy with what you have, it might be taken away from you. And uh, we have uh, we always, you know, encourage each other this way. Like we make sure we keep uh, we keep each other with the feet on the ground. And uh, I said, yes, I'll be careful last round. And I was very, I I was, I I started getting, I think, nervous in the last round because um, I knew that it's possible to also win the title. And, um, but I had Black against Apurva Virkud, who has had um, really, who has improved a lot lately. She's a youngster who has really, uh, I think, a great life ahead if she chooses to, to play chess. And uh, Nazi was playing with White uh, against another youngster, uh, um, Jennifer Yu. And so I thought, you know, she definitely had much better chances to win with White than I had against Apurva with Black. Uh, Considering also that our ratings, um, mine and Apurva's were about the same. Um, And so I thought, okay, I need to play something something different just to... uh, to be able to get a position that I like and just, you know, play chess. And um, I was happy with with the way my game turned out because I think, you know, out of the opening, I just, uh, with black, had a small advantage, which is is not uh, something uh, you you normally get with black. Um, I think she has tried to she thought i wanted to surprise her and she wanted to surprise me back which she did hmm. uh, by playing this line of nimzovic with queen c2 which is something she had not played i think she played fi- she had played five years ago or one game and um she played it really fast and i think that that might have been a, a mistake for her because it just gave me a um you know, a better position. And uh, I told myself, okay, now I need to stay solid. And, uh, and I did. And, you know, I just played the game. Basically, I didn't, I didn't think now I have the chance to win or something. Um, until I actually, you know, saw that um, sacrifice that you're mentioning, um, queen sacrifice at the end, and I, I knew that I had the mate. Um, but earlier, I just thought, you know, I just need to improve my position and just play chess and not think about anything else. And in fact, I didn't. I didn't look at Nazi's game. I uh, just focused on my own game and, you know, try to stay there with calculating variations all the time and not so that other, you know, other things wouldn't come to my mind. And and um, when I saw this opening of her king, um, it, you know, I played the night before at some point. She captured in in a pawn in d4, and I pushed e3. I had calculated all that line, and everybody really um, paid a lot of attention to my queen sacrifice. But I was more proud of of having found this sequence to actually play rook f6 earlier to attract her to move that or to distra- to make her move her rook from f1. Um, I think rook f6 was definitely the you know best a best move. <laughs> Uh, you know, a harder move to see than than the queen sacrifice, and um, you know, I was very proud at that moment. I knew that I'm I'm going to win. It, it just it meant a lot to me, um, and uh, I knew that I have ensured second place, and so I was relaxed and waited to see what how things would turn out. Yeah, just 
just uh, a, a great game. I'll have to look again at the uh, the Rook sure. Six idea. I mean, I did see it, but of course, to me, the the sacrifice is what what stood out. And did so? Did you feel increased self doubt in your calculation, like given the stakes, or were you just you just you know you've done enough tactics where you knew it worked? Uh, I've done it. I think I've done enough tactics. My father didn't believe me actually when he, I told him. He was like, "I heard your interview. I had given an interview." for chess.com and and i said that you know i only double checked that once or twice like two right. or three times maybe but he's like i'm sure you've you um uh you double checked it at least 10 times and <laughs> uh you know i i i think uh, i i saw that there's a mate i mean i, I mean really i i did, really didn't do it that many times uh, there was, of course, a little bit of pressure because I would sacrifice my queen, but I knew that I have at least perpetual, so I went for it. You know, because draw would have been fine too. So. Right. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't so nervous, but you know, I, I had seen that there was a mate, so, um, yeah. Okay. The emotions well, came. I think the emotions came after afterwards. You know, because I was really looking forward. It's it's a very funny story, actually. Uh, after having won against Anna Zatonski in round 10, I um, saw that my performance was 24.50. And um, normally, that's a performance to get an IM norm. And uh, the first thing that I did after winning the game, well, one of the first things was to write an email to um, the arbiter, Frank Guadalupe, and ask him, uh, did I make it? Did, huh. did I make it? This would be my third norm. And he's, he told me, he didn't answer to me that night. He answered to me the next morning and said that, uh, actually not, but I'll explain later. Just play your game. That's what <laughs> was, what he told me. And so I, um, I, I, immediately after winning, I, I went to him and I asked him, so did I make the norm now? Because <laughs> now my performance would be higher. And he explained to me that um, because uh, uh, there were 11 rounds or 10 rounds um, before, I needed to have uh, four uh, IMs, um, not only three. So we had uh, Grandmaster Irina Krush, Grand, uh, International Master Anna Zatonski, and International Master Nazi Paikidze. And there are no other international master, like men's international ma- masters in the tournament. And that was the reason I couldn't, I couldn't get my norm. So even if I... You know, even with my last round win, I didn't do, I didn't make that norm. But this will be a funny story, I think, to, to that tell is to funny. people that yeah. I didn't care that I'm going to share first or something. That I cared whether I made my last norm, but I didn't. So I think I will have chances, hopefully, in the future to to yeah. make that last norm. Certainly, if you go chase it and and play yes. like that, I think you'll be okay. Um, so yeah. Sabina, if it's okay with you, I just have a couple more more topics. Yes, of uh, course. Great. Sure. Um, so you mentioned uh, the Women's World Championship in Iran and the fact that you got mm-hmm. to play with your mother. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there was the, the big controversy with wearing the, the hijab. You probably mm-hmm. had to talk about it a bit. But do you mind just touching on what your your um, your perspective on that issue was? Sure. So um, I think um, I, 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 I saw uh, Nazi and I are friends and I saw her... her um, Post about it, and uh, I agreed with her um, on on some terms, and maybe not on others. I you also have to think that I am dating and I'm engaged to an Iranian 
men. So I think it would be very disrespectful if I will tell him that I'm not going to play the world championship uh, in your country because I have to wear wear the the scarf. It's not really a hijab. I have to to mention that you know the hijab covers your face completely and okay. doesn't show any any hair. In um, in Iran, you actually don't don't wear that. Don't have to wear that. Uh, you wear a scarf on your head, so it covers about half of your head. I've seen girls who had only half their head covered, so the other half you show hair. Um, and uh, I think it's become in recent years more of a of a uh, like um, like an accessory in a way. It's not. I think it's not. It didn't seem as terrible, but I do see the points of the other side. I mean, there are pluses and minuses. And to tell you the truth, maybe if it wouldn't be for a world championship, maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't go either. Um, I, I I don't see it necessarily as much as a sign of oppression. I do realize that it could be seen as one, and maybe it is for some. So I really don't want to start controversies on. On any sides. The reason I did it, I, I want everybody to understand that I did it for my mom, mostly, because she, um, having learned, you know, that she could have cancer, like at that point that we, she accepted the invitation, she didn't know that she had cancer. And um, when I learned that it got down to me um, to to participate, I knew that I had to do it for her. I had to go there and um, be with her. So that was the reason I, I would have gone anywhere um, to still be able to spend some time with my mom. That was, I think that's what I want people to to understand why I did it. Um, maybe in other circumstances, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but considering again that I'm, you know, engaged to an Iranian man, I, cannot, I, I, I think it's very disrespectful to completely tell him I won't go in your country. Um, and so, um, yeah, my, my main reason was to, to go for, for my mom. And then even after she passed, I, I, I wanted to go even more to, because I, I learned that FIDE, despite that there are a lot of controversies of things that maybe they don't do right. Um, I got really impressed that they didn't take my mom off the ro- uh, roster. They kept her place there and they honored her during the event so being able to be part of something where your mother is honored i think it's it's really um it's really something amazing so i wouldn't miss it if you know even if i wouldn't be qualified maybe i would go to at least you know see how my mom is 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 honored there um they gave her a very beautiful they gave me for her a very beautiful um, statue of a horse. My mom really enjoyed knights on the board, and in Romanian we have the same word for knight and horse. And um, um, I think Elshan, kind of my fiance, had something to do. He discussed with with the oh, Iranian nice. Federation at some point. They they wanted to do something and they didn't know what. So I think he had given them um, the idea, and uh, um, they talked a little bit about her, and you know that just meant. That just meant very much to me. So I did that for her. And, um, of course, once the, the opening ceremony was, was over, I had to focus on my, on my games as well. And, and I did. Uh, unfortunately, 
you know, my opponent was um, was stronger this time. She eventually ended up winning the world um, championship. So, you know, I didn't lose to anyone. I lost to the to the future world champion. Um, so, I think uh, I think it was um, it was something that you know will always have. You know, it, it makes me sad in a way that. Uh, I had to go in those conditions, but I know I also took somebody else's place. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of things here that, that can be counted, but I want people to know. And um, if anybody is doubting and, or wondering why why I did this, um, I, I want them to know that it was for my mom. So I hope it's, and, well, you know, I don't start any controversy or anything like that. But, but yeah. Thank you for sharing sharing that. Um, it's very touching, and I know that your mom has quite a legacy in chess. So it's totally. Um, I don't think there's anyone who would want to miss their their parent being honored in that way. And obviously, just generally, this uh, this issue, uh, the wearing the scarf. Sorry for mm-hmm. mis- misspeaking earlier. Oh um, no no no, it's okay. It's uh, it's complicated. I mean, I certainly there are arguments on both sides. I I don't think anyone should be presenting it as a, a clearly right or clearly wrong issue, especially from the perspective of someone who's uh, trying to represent chess and trying mm-hmm. to advance their career. Uh, it's um, there's, there's everyone's circumstances are different, especially, yes. especially yours. Uh, and it's, um, it's just a thorny issue, <laughs> no matter how you. It's, that's, that's true. And, you know, I I thought about it from, from a lot of perspectives and, and, uh, I think, uh, I think it, it's definitely a, a de- debatable subject and very, very sensitive one to everyone. And again, I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and, and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> You know, yeah. so, uh, if I if I had been, you know, in, in Nazi's situation, for example, because she she basically started this and I think she made a great point. Um, and yeah, I, re- I really I really don't know what to tell you, but I told you my story and I, I would have done it again, even if it was in, in another country. And, you know, I wasn't afraid. I, I also want to say that, you know, I wasn't afraid at all there. I know there have been. A lot of discussions that Iran might not be safe for foreigners or, or something like that. But I think um, the International Chess Federation, when it's about organizing a tournament in a place, they will take enough precautions for the players to be safe in that environment. And uh, I had to play previously. I would like to mention in 2008, I, I had told you that I qualified for the World Championship previously in 2008 um, it was held in Nalchik in Russia and you might remember that in 2008 there was a war that started between Russia and Georgia and Nalchik was really close to that war area and some players had boycotted the event because they thought they wouldn't be safe and once again I'd like to say that maybe FIDE doesn't make the best decisions in when they or where they organize tournaments but I think they make sure that the players, wherever they will be, in whichever country, if somebody's, you know, offering more um, support for chess, they will make sure that the players will be safe in that place. Um, and uh, I was safe at that point, and it was really like close to the border. War 
tanks everywhere, but we were safe in that in that place. And the same thing happened here. I mean, there was nothing to worry about um, in that environment. And um, yeah, I think it's important. Okay. And uh, in in Iran, I, I know that given the the controversy and the circumstances with your mother, it must have been a, a tough time. But did you get to get out and do anything adventurous there? Did you get to see any sites, or or was it a all little, business? Yeah, I did a little bit. I was there only for five days because you know after having lost, I I had purchased my ticket in case I would lose from the first round, and so I had the I had an extra day, and um. um Considering that Elshon's family is from there, his father was in the city, and he took me um, to to see a little bit the city. We went to a museum. We went to the Grand Bazaar. Um, we went to different, you know, Persian restaurants, and um, it was a really, it was really beautiful, really beautiful city, and the people seemed all very nice and uh, this was outside of like it was really far from where the uh, tournament was held so i just went with with him and um and some other friends and uh, you know it was totally totally normal and you know it's just a nice nice place nice yeah i'd li- i'd like to go there sometime although probably probably not happening anytime soon given uh, there <laughs> my maybe kids. not yeah <laughs> But but you should know that uh, okay Tehran uh, also I know this from from Elshan um, is um, is maybe not the best place to go if you want to visit Iran. There are some other uh, beautiful um, cities with with a lot of uh, hist- history um, in in the north northern part of Iran. So if you ever look at that, and it's also less uh, less people. I have right. to say that the traffic in in Tehran was was. Um, the worst I've I've ever seen. Uh, even New York has uh, has a better traffic than than there <laughs> in yeah. the rush hours. So, <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Sabina. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, in on your blog you talk about uh, your interest in cooking a lot and combining mm-hmm. cooking and chess. So, um, uh, how is how's that been going for you? How's uh, how are your cooking projects going? <laughs> So as I was mentioning to you earlier, I'm trying to change that a little bit because um, I thought it was a great idea, but uh, probably I haven't uh, described it or I haven't marketed as well as I would have liked and I couldn't find a way to do it better. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of changing that website to my personal website and I'll keep the blog posts both related to chess and cooking. I really enjoyed cooking since I was a kid, and I find it a way of, of uh, relaxing me. You know, just if I feel mad or if I am just stressed about something, you know, cooking for someone just makes me feel makes me feel better. And um, um, yeah, I, I, you know, traveling so much with chess around the world, I got to uh, to learn about different recipes, different types of foods, and. Uh, I try to uh, replicate them and and in in my own way and you know I try to make them look good and you know so the pictures look good <laughs> when I post something about it but uh, I haven't done it uh, lately so much it's been it's been kind of a crazy a crazy period um, and uh, but I really enjoyed doing it so if if somebody who's listening to the podcast at some point wants to get in touch with me and share some recipe I'm more than happy to 
uh, to get that nice. <laughs> from them, and then I will I will try to to start uh, you know I will try to cook it and then see see how it turns out. That that will be my goal to eventually keep the blog uh, part, but probably not every day. I think that was way too ambitious um, to think that I could do it every single day. It's uh, it's true the day is long and and you could do a lot of things if you plan well, but uh, uh, when when it becomes something um, that you have to do every day, I think it becomes stressful as well. And uh, you don't want as a blogger to uh, just do something because you have to do it. You want people, when they read what, what you're writing, you want them to see passion. And I think uh, my passion kind of started going away when I realized that I cannot do it every day. And uh, I, mean, I cannot post it. I still cook, obviously. Right. Home. But I don't post something about it. Yeah, and I, uh, I'll, I'll get back to it as I uh, as I as I find my passion again to to share things and and recipes and um, find the inspiration. Um, right now, I'm working on on changing a little bit the the way the website looks um, to make it more professional. Um, and, and I'm doing this my uh, on my own. Obviously, I can get someone to do it for me. But uh, I like to. Uh, to learn new things, and and this is one of them. This is something I've never been good at: uh, computers, uh, programming, and whatever <laughs> arranging stuff. So this is this is what I'm trying to do on my own, and it will take a little bit of time. But once it gets ready, I think uh, I'll I'll um, I'll be able to to start blogging about cooking and and sharing recipes from the places I've been to, and hopefully people you know will enjoy them and will start some kind of uh, sharing there are a lot of great uh, uh cooks out there in the chess world who are great chess players and love cooking so i think uh, it's something that nobody really did before um they certainly um uh, chess players certainly post a lot of pictures of their foods and what they cook but I- i've never seen it before that somebody would share um you know recipes and and stuff like that so Hopefully it could get, you know, bigger, but if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, even, you know, knowing that somebody enjoys what I'm doing and uh, I can leave some legacy behind and, you know, mixing the two things, uh, it would be great. Um, We'll see. We'll see if I come up with new ideas. Two legacies, potentially. (laughs) Potentially, yeah. (laughs) I'm actually considering, I I was discussing with that Alshan to to do some kind of cooking uh, cooking school thing but just you know just on my own even online like seeing ways to prepare things to, to make them beautifully presentable you know to have a great presentation that's what uh, what i'm really interested in so we'll see if i can do that as well um yeah nice. a lot of it's it's a great hobby i think to have but you have to be careful too because you can gain a lot of weight by doing by <laughs> right. cooking a lot so right so that's why that's why the exercising is really important in in the life of a chess player. So I'm I'm working on that. Um, I kind of neglected it for some time, but uh, I've been on and off. And now this time, you know, I think it's really important for me to to be in shape to to be able to continue to play to play good chess. Um, and uh, yeah, great. <laughs> well, well, do you have any uh, chess tournaments on the horizon for your fans out there? Anything that you're definitely going to play? For the moment, I haven't uh, I haven't made a plan yet. As we are, uh, you know, deciding with the 
with with a move. Uh, we're not sure when it will happen. Um, I will be playing in the Women's World Team Chess Championship, which will take part in the second half of of June in uh, in Kantimansisk in Russia. That's for that's a tournament for sure. Uh, but I haven't I haven't decided yet whether I'll play anything else before um, or not. Hopefully, I can try. I will, but we're not sure with the move how things are going. I will definitely go. I have to say this. I will go in in Nashville for the Super National. Oh right, yeah, I wanted to I'll mention be there. that. Yeah, so that's that, exciting. <laughs> that's very exciting. Uh, it's the first time that I'll be there, and I'm I'm very, you know, happy that I've been invited to. Um, I'll have a simultaneous exhibition and probably I'll, I'll be discussing and, you know, analyzing uh, players' games and you know, I'll see a lot of kids. I heard that, you know, it's it, the Super Nationals always attracts a large amount of kids. So I hope, you know, they'll be inspired by my story and by some of the other strong grandmasters who will be there and former, you know, seven-time U.S. Women's uh, champion Irina Krush will be there as well and former last yeah. year's U.S. Women's Champion Nazi Paikidze and Maurice, uh, Maurice Ashley will also be there, I think, and Sam probably Sh- others. Sam Shanklin. Sam Shanklin, and I'm sure others. Like, Timor, oh, Timor, Gu- Timor Gureyev. Right, right. Um, the Blindfold King, and yes. my fiancé is also coming. Oh, and, great. You know, um, he's a Grandmaster, too, for those who are listening. Uh, Grandmaster Elshan Muradi Abadi, he's, uh, he's been... Um, like like I was mentioning earlier, doing a lot of reports and and analysis for for different uh, uh, websites and magazines, and yeah, we'll we'll see. I think I think uh, you know this is a great uh, great event. I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to something like this. We have you know national championships in Romania, but they don't attract that many kids, and also. Um, it doesn't seem to be such a you know popular thing to see so many grandmasters you know sharing things and I, I think the idea is amazing and I'm I'm really happy that this year I'll be able to be part of it so yeah looking, looking forward to that so that'll be the place where they could see me first and that's in uh, about two weeks right from uh, well I'm not sure when you'll post this but this will come out going... Tuesday so yeah okay <laughs> yeah. sure. Only so, if, so yeah, less than two weeks away by the time this comes out. Yeah, so it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great that they uh, that U.S. Chess is is uh, investing in putting its its best players forth for the kids to look up to, and I think I'm sure it's gratifying for for players like you too to you know see that that the the chess you're playing, um, you know, that you inspire people. Yes, that's that's my biggest goal. You know, I want to continue my mom's legacy, and she always wanted this. She wanted to make something big, and I already made something big by winning the U.S. Women's Championship. I think that that will remain, you know, like a, my great my greatest vi- victory so far. Um, and um, yeah, if I can inspire people in any way, I, I hope I can do that. And also, you know, even if these kids, some of them might stop playing chess, I think the fact that they come there together, they 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 learn through chess like they they become a community and they know that they they will always be able to go back to it and and have those you know friendships and and um uh, you know yeah shared uh, a experience. lot of things yes uh, a lot of things that you know maybe they won't use uh to further pursue chess as a career like to be chess professionals but they will use it to um you know for their um, organizing skill 
planning ahead, uh, strategic thinking, you Co- know, cooking. So, so. And cooking maybe, <laughs> who knows? I mean, I, I have to work on my on my uh, on my website. Hopefully, it'll be ready by then. Um, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's sure. fine. I mean, it looks fine to me, and uh, you know, <laughs> people know that you're a chess player first and foremost. So I think right, any, right. Anything you can but do, it, sure. Go ahead. But I really wished. I really wish that they would get this idea of what I was trying to make. That you know, if one day you messed up your cooking, you know, and I, I would share, I would mix it with chess by sharing a game where somebody messed up, but you know, you can mess up your cooking, but then save it somehow right. by adding <laughs> a new ingredient. So. I would mix that with chess, but I don't know. I maybe I need somebody to help me with the marketing a little bit better. Well, yeah. Anyways, we'll see. But okay. Yeah. Well, Sabina, so. thank you so much for coming on. This was a, a sure. really enlightening, and I know you've been through a lot. So thank you for for being so willing to talk about it. Um, no problem. I hope I hope people in, uh, enjoyed our discussion, and hopefully, I didn't say anything to upset anyone. If I did, I'm, I I would like to apologize and. You know, hopefully Maybe. they understand my perspective, and I try to understand theirs, and yeah, and we live, if, we live happily. <laughs> and if anyone wants to to reach out to you for lessons or inquiries about anything else, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, as I'm building my my uh, website, it will be there. It's going to be sabinafoyser dot com. But if they want to send me an email, they can send me on uh, foyser s at yahoo dot com. Okay. And yes. And you're so, on Twitter as well, although. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, f- I have my Facebook page as well as, as an a- athlete. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to still figure out how to, to have it verified. But uh, hopefully um, that will work soon because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit annoying that Twitter doesn't believe that uh, I am who I say. So. Yeah, they can Hopefully, be sting- stingy with the stingy with the verifications. Although it's yes, not, not yeah. a problem that I have. <laughs> but not, no, no need to verify me. But uh, but yeah, still. But I think it's good at this point. You know, people to know that uh, you know what I'm saying is I'm saying it, and hopefully yeah. now I, I have to be a little bit. Uh, uh, probably actually um, now I'll have to be a little bit more cautious with what I'm writing. I shouldn't write anything silly, or uh, but you know, in general, I, I pay attention to that. So. <laughs> Great. Well, Sabina, thanks again for coming on. Uh, thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, best best of luck with, with the move and figuring out your and uh, Elshan's next steps. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to um, checking some of the other. I check some of the other po- podcasts, but I think this is a great idea. So uh, thank you for your work. Thanks for listening to Perpetual Chess. To hear more episodes, give feedback or suggest guests, go to perpetualchesspod.com. If you like the show, please help me out by telling your friends and giving me a high rating on iTunes. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.